Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions, extraordinary events, and other amazing adventures. I'm Kim, and I'm happy to have you here. I recently had an amazing venture of my own. My bestie Diane and I went to swim with Manatee in Crystal River, Florida. This is a gorgeous area of Florida, by the way. It's about 90 minutes north of Tampa. Very underdeveloped, lots of natural beauty, and there's a ton of hot springs in the area. So the hot springs keep the water consistently 72 degrees, aka manatee temperature. And these majestic creatures, they like the warmer water. So in the winter, they always gather in the Crystal River area. And Diane and I went for a visit. We took a boat tour with the Adventure Center based out of our hotel, which was the plantation on Crystal River. It was so cool. Our captain, Ross, was super knowledgeable and we found an area with manatee after a really short time on the water. The animals, manatee, they seem genuinely interested in people. They come right up to you. So it's possible to get a super up-close experience. I kid you not, one baby even gave my friend Diane a little kiss. Or at least it seemed like a little kiss. Maybe it was something else. I don't know. It was crazy cool though. And I think it might be my favorite animal encounter I've ever had. It was super cool and I highly recommend it. I'm definitely going back myself. I want to bring my beau, Sean. I know he would love it too. And I'll leave a link for you to get more info on this episode page on RochambeauPodcast.com. Speaking of today's episode, let's get into it, shall we? We're going to chat with the world's greatest chainsaw juggler. All right, guys. So I am lucky enough to have with me right now, Ian Stewart. Ian is literally the world's greatest chainsaw juggler. Ian, welcome to Rochambeau. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to talk to you because this is not something that had really been on our radar until someone that we know saw a clip of what you did with Penn and Teller. And I know that was the arrow trick that you did, but then we started looking into you and wow, (laughs) you are a literal daredevil. Well, I've uh, got a collection of skills that not many people have, and uh, most of them are a little bit uh, potentially dangerous, yes. <laughs> so it seems. So how and why did you get started? Uh, I started as a magician after seeing a magician in my uh, play school when I was just three years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that sparked a little thing in me that I wanted to be a magician, and I uh, you know, got the magic kits for Christmas and practiced the tricks, and later on when I was in grade four, which is the age of my son now, I got a book for Christmas called Juggling for the Complete Clots <laughs> and uh, came with some bean bags, and uh, I learned how to juggle and uh, from there moved on. That's fantastic. You mentioned your son. Is your son following in your footsteps? Does he enjoy juggling? He is working on juggling. We practice sometimes in the evenings a little bit. He's starting to get it. Right on. I keep him away from the chainsaws. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) So at what point did you move from juggling beanbags to juggling sharp and dangerous objects? Well, when you start juggling, of course, you typically learn with tennis balls, beanbags, socks, something like that. And when you learn to juggle three, of course, everybody, as soon as you show them three, well, can you do four? Can you do five? (laughs) How many can you do? And then can you juggle this? Can you juggle that? Uh, Can you, you know, so you're at school and, you know, can you juggle rocks? Can you juggle whatever comes at you? 
And then naturally people start saying, can you juggle knives? Can you juggle torches? Oh, boy. Followed by, of course, can you juggle chainsaws? Now, I got to pause you there. Why is that naturally followed by can you juggle chainsaws? Who started that? Well, that's an interesting question because what I came to find out is very few people do juggle chainsaws. It's almost an urban legend. (laughs) There are people out there that do it. Um, myself, um, I have only actually ever seen one other person juggle three chainsaws live in person. It was just this past summer. I saw a very good juggler from uh, California who goes by the name of Mad Chad Taylor. And uh, he at one time held the three chainsaw Guinness World Record as well. And I got to see his show and hang out with him for a little bit. What a cool thing to have in common. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, there's not many of us that do three chainsaws. So uh, when you meet someone else that does, you get to <laughs> Absolutely. So you have multiple Guinness World Record titles, correct? Yes, I think I've had seven now. Can you run them down for our audience? uh, I'll try. Well, the three chainsaw juggling record is my favorite. It's most throws and catches with three chainsaws. I also have the record for one chainsaw and two balls to juggle one chainsaw and two balls the longest. And then there's a record, believe it or not, for how far you can travel while juggling three chainsaws and how far you can travel with one chainsaw and two balls. What? Like just, you know, forward momentum walking while you're doing walking. it? And one of the rules is you cannot run. You have to walk. <laughs> and uh, I have the record for juggling axes that weigh over six pounds each. Oh, how much do the chainsaws weigh? Uh, I have different weighted ones, I believe usually around eight pounds. It's not the weight of the chainsaws that gets you. It's the engine running and the the fact that they're vibrating a bit when you're trying to throw them that throws them off. Oh my gosh, if you could see how wide my eyes are right now. I was thinking about the uh, two balls, one chainsaw. For some reason, that almost seems more difficult to me because of the difference in weight and momentum. Is it harder? Well, there are a lot of people that can do one chainsaw and two balls. There's tons of people that can do that trick. So it is technically much easier to do because of the less weight and you only have one erratic object as opposed to three. The balls are very controllable. But that said, yes, it is uh, hard because you're throwing heavy object, light, light, heavy object, light, light. Right, right. The first time you ever threw a chainsaw Were you scared? Well, yes. (laughs) When I first learned to juggle chainsaws, I was still living at my parents' house. Oh, they must have loved that. Well, they didn't know. So I uh, snuck, you know, out and bought a chainsaw, which, you know, when you're young, it's kind of hard to sneak out and buy a chainsaw without your parents noticing. But uh, I snuck this chainsaw home and then I had to figure out, you have to put a handle on it to juggle it. So I had to figure out how to put a handle on a chainsaw as well. And I had a friend who worked at the machine shop who was able to help with that. And uh, then I took the barn chain off of it. So it's just juggling the motor. And that's how you learn how to do it. You juggle just the motor first, then you put the bar on it. And once you can do that, then you put the chain on it. And once you can do that, then you start it. Still, I would be terrified even after all of that practice prior, that first time that you turn it on has to be terrifying. It is. And I can remember when I was first practicing, I went to a friend's house and I showed him my new toy and 
<laughs> I went to throw it into the air, and I remember they pretty much hit the ground because they were terrified it was going to get me. Have you ever had any actual mishaps? Well, uh, yes, I've had a few, but none that have caused me any injury. Oh, that's I I cut the end of a shoe off once. It upset me because they were brand new shoes, but it didn't get my toe. It just cut the very tip off the end of the shoe, and that was for a showdown in uh, Springfield, Missouri, I guess it was. Oh, my gosh. And another time, I sliced my pants. I actually managed to slice down the inseam of my pants with a chainsaw without cutting my leg. And uh, I remember the audience uh, thought that it was part of the show. (laughs) Surprise, a different type of wardrobe malfunction. Fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So tell, um, tell everyone about the types of shows that you do, because you're performing in a lot of different contexts, right? Yeah, it's uh, interesting because I perform everywhere from corporate groups to exhibitions and uh, festivals, wherever people really want to see something that's interesting and unique. You know, I even uh, performed in some churches doing this stuff. You never know who's going to want to see it. Right. Have you played around with fire at all? Is there a way to light a chainsaw? I uh, I do a lot of stuff with fire. I uh, <laughs> I know a lot about pyrotechnics. And uh, actually, one time I was on the Jay Leno show, and they attached, I forget, it was something like 230 firecrackers to me and lit them off. Oh, my gosh. Was that their idea or yours? I think it was my idea. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I've done a lot with fire and, of course, fire eating and uh, fire juggling. Do you also do hypnosis? I actually do. I perform uh, stage wow. hypnosis shows. I used to do some hypnotherapy. And uh, it's great fun for different groups of people because you actually involve the audience. You know, they are the entertainment. How did you get into that? Well, when I got out of high school, I decided that I should uh, get a profession. <laughs> So I trained to be a pilot, and while I was training to be a pilot, I started doing more shows to build up, you know, money to pay for my pilot's license. Yeah, it's expensive. It is expensive, and also it's a profession that I'm thankful every day I'm not involved in because <laughs> it's, it's not a profession for me. You know, pilots are uh, regimented people. They like to follow the rules. They, you know, you follow this checklist into this checklist, and you don't necessarily always make your own decision as much as follow the checklist. Yeah, you don't really want your pilot to be a daredevil. No, exactly. And so that that job was not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Everything from the uniforms on is uh, respect the people that do it, but it's definitely not for this guy. And uh, so I was doing the shows and uh, I hurt my neck at one point and was having a hard time doing some of the physical things. And I decided, oh, hypnosis, that looks fun. I can do that for a little while. And I trained to be a hypnotist and uh, trained under some very good people and ended up doing shows. And I still do quite a few hypnosis shows every year just for fun. And uh, especially where I live, we have what's called the Safe Grad Program, which at the end of the year, they lock the grads in for the night and oh, have an yes, yes. all-night alcohol-free party. Yes, we have uh, something similar here. They, it's pretty much exactly the same. They just call it a lock-in. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for those, hypnosis is the, the best entertainment. I bet. With a bunch of awkward teenagers? Fantastic. Yes, and universities, too. I love going to universities doing hypnosis. Are some people easier to hypnotize than others? 
definitely. <laughs> 100%. Everyone can be hypnotized, but it might take me five seconds to hypnotize one person. It may take me an hour and a half for someone else. And when you're doing a show, if you have 30 people come up to get hypnotized, if you can hypnotize 12 of them within, let's say, four minutes, hypnotize 12 of them in four minutes, send the rest back and get the show rolling because yeah. you don't want to waste a whole bunch of time. Right. Do you combine all of these talents of yours into one show or do you try to market to a specific audience? I try and keep them separate because I find that the stunt work, the juggling and stuff is look at me. I'm the star of the show. Right. Where the hypnosis is them being the star of the show. But there are a few exceptions. For example, um, you can hypnotize people and tell them that you're holding a running chainsaw when in reality you're holding a sword and then swallow <laughs> the sword. And oh, so the wow. audience gets to see that you did a sword swallowing trick, but the people on stage are freaking out because they think you just swallowed a live chainsaw. <laughs> that is just fantastic. Well, um, do you have anything else on your horizon as far as world records go? Is there any challenge that you'd love to be able to accomplish at some point? There are a few, and they are not necessarily juggling even. I'm going into other areas of, uh, of stunt stuff that I'm uh, not sure I should say too much about, but I've got uh, one fairly crazy idea and one that's a little tamer. <laughs> Will you tell people the best ways to find out more about you? Well, chainsawjuggling.com is a great place to find me. And of course, you can do the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, things like that. I pretty much all over the place. That's awesome. And if someone, you know, works for a corporation and is a party planner, they could literally hire you to come out, right? It They can. It's uh, been proven that it gets people excited to hear that they're getting the chainsaw juggler in. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thanks for calling. Pretty cool, right? If you want to learn more about Ian, we'll have a link for you on RochambeauPodcast.com, as well as a video so you can really start to wrap your head around all the crazy cool stuff that Ian can do. So last week was the 2020 World Sign Spinning Championship in Las Vegas. And Rochambeau wants to give a big shout out to this year's champion, Kendrick Washington. Kendrick was also the champ back in 2018. And our episode, the Rochambeau episode on the World Sign Spinning Championship features an interview with Kendrick. That episode, of course, is still up on our website. And I'll leave a hot link for that on today's episode page as well. Check it out and way to go, Kendrick. In other Rochambeau news, next weekend, February 8th, to be specific, is Baltimore's Small Foods Party. It's a very cool time that features a competition for people to make the most itty bitty culinary masterpieces. It's super fun. And if you're in the Baltimore area, please check it out. I will put a link to that past episode. I'll also put a link to this year's party in case you're interested in tickets. So thanks for joining us today. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and consider leaving a review for us on whatever platform you happen to be using to listen right now. Reviews are really the best way for us to get the word out about Rochambeau, and we would wholeheartedly appreciate you for leaving us one. Thanks to Cadillac Jones for letting us use their killer music on our podcast. They are an awesome band. And if you see that they're coming to your town, check them out. Till next time, people. 